0: Now, a a number of aid agencies, such as UNICEF and Save the Children, have halted operations in Afghanistan over the Taliban's ban on female aid workers. The move has been justified by Taliban officials who, um, over some women, um, they say had not been adhering to the Taliban's interpretation of the Islamic dress code. Uh, Former Prime Minister Helen Clark supports the agency's decisions, saying it violates the human rights of women. But where does it leave a country in desperate need of aid workers? And Helen Clark joins me now. Helen, good morning. Good morning, Tim. So, gosh, it's a difficult situation. Have these aid agencies neglected the people of Afghanistan by by halting operations? I think...
1: Taliban have just crossed a red line frankly Mm. and and such a red line Tim that the UN Security Council which as we know doesn't agree on anything much these days (laughs) actually agreed to issue a press statement condemning uh, the Taliban uh, decision so that that shows you that it's really universally reviled so what they're doing is of course trying to use aid as a political weapon uh, to, to get their way but when you look at at how this has unfolded, the aid agencies had been called in, they talked to the Taliban. The Taliban said women aren't wearing this headdress uh, correctly, you know, they're not following the rules we set, like, you know, having to travel with a you know a male guardian. And the aid agency said, Okay, you know, we'll make sure the headdress is worn, we'll we'll make sure there's a man in the car and they're not driving alone. And then the Taliban just say, No women workers anyway. And the agency said, Enough. Because it, it does go over that red line. Now, they also say, and, and I, I'm absolutely convinced this is true, that you can't deliver properly in Afghanistan unless you have women workers because the society itself is quite culturally conservative. So you can't send men in to do you know, sensitive health care delivery, for example, uh, to women and to girls. Mm. So they can't do their job. The women can't work. So th- this is the background to it all.
0: Do you think that actually no matter how strictly um, the the aid workers had adhered to the, the dress code, do you think it, this was always going to be a problem because they just didn't like um, women from the West in the country working with their own population?
1: I think you've got it in one. They just don't want women working. They have progressively you know, returned to the Taliban as it was known, uh, in its previous uh, time in power back in the late 90s through to the end of 2001. So most secondary schools have never reopened to girls. They've just uh, decisively banned women from going to university uh, in Afghanistan. They've said women can't go into public parks, for heaven's sake. Mm. Uh, and, and, and now that, so it's one thing after another. And most of the uh, aid workers we're talking about, overwhelmingly, were local Afghan women. And when you read this heartbreaking stories, they're saying, I'm supporting my family. You I'm supporting not only my own children, my, my widowed mother, my aunts, uncles. I'm the only wager. And now they're cutting that off. It seems that there's a dominant element in the Taliban at the moment that just wants women shut away behind the door of the house and, mm. you know, n- neither seen nor heard. It, it is disgraceful.
0: Uh, and a, a little bit depressing, really, because, I mean, you know, UNICEF, Save the Children, um, fantastic organ- organisation. So what's what's the way forward?
1: Well, the, the UN has spoken with, with one voice. Whether that you know, means mm. anything to the Taliban is another matter, but there are major powers on the Security Council, like the the Chinese and the Russians with the power mm-hmm. of veto, for, for example, who, who have gone along with the issuing of the statement. Now, they maintain embassies in Kabul. And one can only hope that behind the scenes, those whom the Taliban still talk to are saying, look, guys this is this is this has gone too far you're cutting off your nose to spite your face you may you know have very conservative views about women but do you want them dying because they can't get proper care you know pre- presumably not mm. and so i think that there will be a lot of talking going on behind the scenes that the most senior un official there has been in and has been making representations and while it hasn't directly affected the UN yet and their agencies. The point is that they often deliver through these local NGOs. If you World Food Programme or UNICEF or many of the others, you have partnerships with the local and, and international NGOs to do the work on the ground. So indirectly, they're very much affected. And they'll be thinking, how can we get help to girls and women in, in Afghanistan if this ban continues?
0: So they have actually halted right now, isn't, haven't they? That that, that ban, uh, the operations have halted, isn't that right?
1: Uh, for the NGOs, so yep. Save the Children, uh, Norwegian yep. uh, Refugee Council, there's another one called CARE, Islamic Relief International Rescue Committee, which the former British Foreign Secretary David Miliband heads. There's a, there's a whole range of these these global NGOs who've just said, we can't mm. work here. Even the international... Uh, uh, i'm not sure whether it affects the red red cross or not but you know you're taking out a huge swathe of 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 humanitarian assistance with this ban
0: and what's it, what what can you paint us a picture of what you think life is like right now in the absence of those organizations
1: so uh, we read that around half the people of afghanistan so we're talking half of what 35 36 37 million people who are still there because most couldn't leave and, and, and won't be able to leave, half of them are reliant on humanitarian assistance. So if women workers can't get out and, and deliver you know, basic support to women and girls, it's a, it's a pretty dire
0: situation. Are you optimistic that there's going to be a reversal of this or some sort of compromise?
1: Well, in the way of the world, I think probably the best we could hope for is some kind of fudge. So the... The Minister of Health, for example, has sent, you know, different sorts of messages about, oh, you know, health care could still be delivered. And the Minister for Emergencies and Disaster Relief said, oh, well, you know, women could still you know, work for that. So it, it may be that in the end there's some kind of fudge around definitions. Well, we're delivering health or we're delivering emergency or disaster. It, it may be definitional. I think that's the best we can hope for. So, you know, let's live and hope that the that is, talking going on in Kabul does deliver something like that. But the agencies will want to be certain because mm-hmm. you, know, you, you see the Taliban you know, on the street going and beating up women who are not, in their view, wearing the headdress correctly, etc. So agencies won't want to be putting women workers at risk of that kind of arbitrary, um, you know, action as well.
0: Gosh, but just on a personal level, I, mean, I have a strong emotional reaction of anger about this. What's your What's your reaction just personally?
1: Well, devastated, really. I've been to Afghanistan, what, three three times in my life, um, and, you know, things have never been great, uh, mm. but th- they've reached, a you know, a new low again. I, I was there with World Vision in March 2019, and I-, I I will never, ever forget going into a hospital on the outskirts of Herat into a paediatric unit where World Vision and UNICEF were supporting the operation and seeing children brought in who who had you know, being so malnourished to the point of starvation and seeing these tiny little frames just shaking uh, with, with the, you know, the shocking illness of near starvation. So you know that, you know, that was March 2019 before oh. the Taliban takeover. Heaven knows what oh, it's like man. now. The death rate of small children, women and childbirth, people from hunger, malnutrition, it, it, it just... Yeah, it's it's a horrific situation. Tim.
0: Yeah. Well, um, Helen, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to about us about that this morning. Um, and a, it seems trite to say it, but I hope you uh, have a have a good new year and something we can look for. Hopefully, some news we can look forward to.
1: Let, let's hope for a better year than 2022, <laughs> which has been the shocker. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: been a dog. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Helen. <laughs> that is our former Prime Minister, of course, Helen Clark. It's not scary at all. If I bump into a couple and they have a boy and they have a girl and I'm like, oh, boy-girl snip, you've got a boy, you've got a girl, get the snip, you're done. You get to figure out what it's like raising a girl, you get to figure out what it's like raising a boy. Save yourself a shit tonne of stress and money, you've got your perfect little family. The Parenting Hangover with Clint and Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.